So last year, the book of Numbers, the Midbar, going through the wilderness, and this year, the book of Joshua, which is next chronologically, it's the next chronological event, uh, the book of Deuteronomy uh, literally means second law, so it's a, a repetition of what has been given in the first five books. And this year, as we do a chronological reading through the Bible, it seems also then to make sense to do what comes next chronologically uh, as we look through God's Word together. Those first five books of the Bible, known as the books of the law, um, this next sec- section of books are commonly called the books of history, but the Hebrew Bible does not call it the books of history, but they are known as the former prophets, distinguished from the latter prophets. The former prophets are Joshua, Judges, and then the books of Samuel and Kings. The latter prophets are Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, and the 12 minor prophets. And so Joshua is regarded as one of the former prophets in recognition that it is not just history. It's not just historical data. It has a message. But then again, all history has a message. If you grew up in the North like me, then in history you studied the Civil War. But if you're from the South, you studied the War of Northern Aggression, right? Or the war between the states. There is no such thing as simply presenting historical facts. There are decisions to be made about what information to give, what is prioritized, what's emphasized, and who is on the right and wrong sides. So Joshua may be thought of as both history and prophecy. And so we can actually call it prophetic history. It kind of sounds like an oxymoron because when we think of prophecy, we usually think of future. And yet prophecy simply is the pronouncement of God's word. Prophecy is not so much foretelling as it is forthtelling. And so Joshua is prophetic history in that it is God's interpretation of what happened and why it happened. The events of the book of Joshua actually happened in real time, and they are recorded as we have them here in order for God's people to hear God's particular message for us so that we might hear it. Let's go to the Lord in prayer as we come to his word together. Oh Lord, as we have worshiped in song, we worship now in study. Glad for the opportunity to hear your word read and proclaimed. It is our desire that we would hear your word for what it is, your word. And so to that end, we pray for your Holy Spirit to come and to bear witness to the reading and preaching of your word, that you might open yourself and open us to you, uh, to hear you. To that end, as always, we pray for the preacher, knowing that he is not worthy, and only by your grace is he able. And so it is through Jesus Christ that we pray. Amen. Well, the first chapter of Joshua has two distinct uh, sections that actually parallel each other. The first nine verses, we hear God's word to Joshua. And then the second nine verses, we hear God's word through Joshua, with a parallel command to action and a parallel word of encouragement. So listen to God's word from Joshua chapter 1. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. 
Now then, you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I'm about to give to them, to the Israelites. I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon, and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country, to the great sea on the west. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life, as I was with Moses so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. Do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you'll be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. So Joshua ordered the officers of the people, go through the camp and tell the people, get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land the Lord your God is giving you for your own. But to the Reubenites, the Gadites, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, Joshua said, remember the command that Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you. The Lord your God is giving you rest and has granted you this land. Your wives, your children, your livestock may stay in the land that Moses gave you east of the Jordan, but all your fighting men fully armed must cross over ahead of your brothers. You are to help your brothers until the Lord gives them rest, as he has done for you, and until they too have taken possession of the land that the Lord your God is giving them. After that, you may go back, occupy your own land, which Moses, the servant of the Lord, gave you east of the Jordan toward the sunrise. Then they answered Joshua, Whatever you have commanded us, we will do, and whatever you send us, wherever you send us, we will go. Just as we fully obeyed Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. And so we first hear God's word to Joshua. The opening words of this book of the Bible cut right to the chase with the context of the message after the death of Moses. It's always important when we read scripture to hear the context of the message. We are always uh, wanting to be concerned about not taking scripture out of context, but to understand the larger picture of what's going on. And so here we see the context of the message is that this is happening after the death of Moses. And consider the weight of that. The first five books of the Bible, the book of the law, the Torah, uh, the Pentateuch, saw Moses as the leader. Moses led the people out of Egypt. Moses led the people across the Red Sea. Moses led the people through the desert. Moses has been the leader the whole time, and now Moses has died. How can we go on? Who will lead us? We feel the weight of this sometimes in our own lives, uh, perhaps even at work to a measure when a a good boss or a manager or leader goes away, perhaps in a church when a pastor goes, uh, 
uh, in life when a family member or a loved one dies? How, how can we go on now that they are gone? To drive home this reality, the first words that the Lord speaks in this book to Joshua are, Moses, my servant, is dead. God understands the reality of the situation. Moses has died, and no one feels that more than Joshua. And so the Lord must now rally Joshua to the task at hand. The Lord speaks to Joshua as he used to speak to Moses. He says, now then you and all these people get ready to cross the Jordan River into the land I am about to give to them, to the Israelites. He's saying, Joshua, get up. Get yourself ready. Get these people ready. You are now their leader. Gulp, right? Now, from there, we go from the context of the message in the first three verses to the content of the message. And that content first shows the territorial boundaries defined in verse 4, from the desert to Lebanon, from the river Euphrates to the great Mediterranean Sea. One commentator notes, in terms of current political boundaries, the promised land would thus cover modern Israel, the whole of Jordan, a large part of Saudi Arabia, half of Iraq, the whole of Lebanon, part of Syria, and the whole of Kuwait. And yet it can also be said, never in her history did Israel occupy the full extent of the territory described here in Joshua 1, verse 4. But that does not mean that God did not keep his promises. Throughout redemptive history, God's people continually neglect to do what they are called to do. At no point do the people fully carry out God's commands. We'll see that here in the book of Joshua. Compromise, comfort, went out over a complete conquest. And as such, the Lord is never under any obligation to give anything. In actuality, all that we have is given to us under the terms of the covenant of grace through the perfect obedience, service, and suffering of Jesus. We can never look at God and complain that he didn't hold up his end of the bargain. All we can do is look to God and be thankful that he doesn't pour out upon us his wrath and curse. All that we have is a result of God's covenant of grace. Now, the certainty of God's grace being given in the giving of the land here is lost a bit in verse 3's translation by the NIV that says, uh, the Lord, I will give you uh, every place where you set your foot. Most other translations capture the verb correctly as a perfect past tense completed activity. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised. You're not there yet, but I've already given it to you. Those who have received Jesus Christ and Lord as Lord and Savior of their lives have been given eternal life. We've not yet received it because we're still right here right now. But we have already been given it by the completed work of Jesus Christ. The new heavens, the new earth, the new Jerusalem, the consummation of Christ's kingdom, the glorious restoration of all things has already been given. We minister the gospel in full assurance that all things in heaven and on earth are united under Jesus Christ. His kingdom will come because Christ has already been made king. And even Presbyterians can say amen to that, right? It is from here that God gives to us this 
word of encouragement. The word of encouragement in verse six, be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their forefathers. Go uh, give them. In the case you don't get it the first time, he says it again in verse seven, be strong and very courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Do not turn from it to the right or to the left that you may be successful wherever you go. And if you don't get it from verse six and seven, he says again in verse nine, have I not commanded you be strong and courageous. God is encouraging Joshua to give courageous leadership. Consider that this encouragement has got to be the opposite of how Joshua feels naturally. Moses has died. And Joshua is suddenly thrust into the role of Israel's leader. He's supposed to lead a group of nomads into war. It'd be far easier for him to heed the encouragement. Joshua, go wet your pants in fear. Check, got that done. Yep. Be strong and courageous. You are receiving the promise of God, a promise that was given back to Abram all the way back in Genesis 12. Courageous leadership, Joshua, because you will lead these people to inherit the land. ESV has an even more literal rendering. You shall cause the people to inherit this land. It will happen. Now, what's the formula for such obedience? How, how can you be strong and courageous? Verse 8, which is a good memory verse, do not let this book of the law depart from your mouth. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. A couple of thoughts on that. We're about to cover this more in the weeks to come. But that sense of meditate on it day and night makes me always laugh. Like, are you allowed to, you allowed to go to the bathroom day and night? I got to meditate. Can I not go to work anymore? Obviously, day and night is talking about throughout the day to have God's word in mind. And then to meditate, not just for the practice of meditation, but meditate in order to do. Meditate in order for action to come out of it. And this is not just true for Joshua, it's true for all of us. Psalm 1 says the man is blessed whose delight is the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. And so Joshua 1 and Psalm 1 encourage us to keep God's word in mind regularly. I thought about this uh, Last week, the week after Christmas, when I was back in Michigan, and while I was there, I drove around my old neighborhood, and I realized the longer I've been away, the more unfamiliar it seems. Uh, certainly some of that is because some things have changed, but actually it hasn't changed a whole lot. It's a pretty developed area, so not, not any new things, some new storefronts. But I was having a hard time even remembering some of the roads, the cross streets, um, and I knew these like the back of my hand the whole time I was growing up. And I'm going back and I'm trying to remember, what's the next street up? I can't even remember the name of it. The longer I've been away, the more unfamiliar it seems. But as I drove around a little bit, it started to come back to me. Out of sight, out of mind. If you aren't thinking about it regularly, you can forget lots of things. But the good news is, it comes back pretty quickly once you dive back in. So it is with God's word. If you don't regularly meditate on all of God's word, then parts even that you once knew can be forgotten and neglected. And so it's regular visits back through God's word that keeps it all close at hand. A quick word here about the end of verse 8. 
that if Joshua was careful to do, do everything written in the book of the law, then you'll be prosperous and successful. The prosperity gospel, which is a false gospel, prosperity gospel preachers twist this into an open statement that God wants you to have your best life now, where you'll be prosperous and successful defined in terms of health and wealth. Joshua is being told that he'll be prosperous and successful in all that God is commanding him to do. And he'll be prosperous and successful because the Lord is with him. And so from the word of encouragement is revealed the source of encouragement. Notice the last words of verse 9. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. Do not be terrified. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you go. And that same sentiment is back in verse 5. No one will be able to stand up against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. I will be with you, Joshua. God is with you. Not because you're cute, though you are. Not because you're good or fun to be around or loaded with potential. God is with you because he has decided to be with you. He has decided never to leave you or forsake you. And that sentiment is not just for Joshua, not just for Israel. The book of Hebrews uses this promise in Hebrews 13, five through six for all of us. Keep your life free from the love of money and be content with what you have. For he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Indeed, the Lord's presence is the solution. The Lord's presence is the solution to the sin of covetousness and discontentment, which in turn leads to the great freedom of life without fear. The Lord's presence. There's nothing more essential for the people of God to hear their God repeat to them amid all of the changing circumstances than I will be with you or I will never forsake you. All right, so all that is those first nine verses where we hear God's word to Joshua. Let's briefly hear God's word through Joshua. We don't have to do as much here because all that was said gets uh, passed on to the people. The words that God told Joshua in verse 2, Joshua now tells Israel in verse 11. Get your supplies ready. Three days from now, you will cross the Jordan here to go in and take possession of the land your God is giving you for your own. Now, it's interesting when you think about those who take over land throughout human history, usually people are taking over land as conquerors. They want to expand their land. Here, the only reason that this group of people is going into this land is because the Lord has commanded them to go to this land that is the land of promise. It's the land that was originally theirs, originally given to Abraham. They simply had been displaced and then were returning back. As I think about that, I think about that for us, it's easy to just stay where we are, to stay complacent, to stay in a comfortable situation, even to go back to what seemed to be better. But the Lord continues to tell us to cross over, to move ahead. What is the land that the Lord is giving to you? Where do you need to cross over? Now, don't hear that just in an 
an indulgent, prosperity, individualistic manner. The you is plural. God's people, we, are to cross over to fulfill the Lord's calling on us, certainly individually, but also to cross over together as God's people serving side by side. So perhaps it could be asked, what land is the Lord giving to Westminster? What aspect of gospel ministry has the Lord given to us that we need to cross over and forge ahead because the Lord is with us? Now, in the set of verses 12 through 15, I don't need to say much about this because we covered it last year in Numbers 32. After defeating King Sihon and Og and winning the territory where they sit now before they cross, Numbers 32 records the tribes of Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh, indicating their desire to make this their land. In Numbers 32, Moses indicated his concern that this sounded like rebellion and unwillingness to stay united with the rest of Israel, the fight with Israel as God had commanded. And so Reuben, Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh give assurance that they will fight with Israel and then return to the land when the battle is done. The unity of God's people is a major theme throughout redemptive history and still today. Rather than being a discouragement by remaining indifferent or abandoning their brothers, these two and a half tribes are a great encouragement to all Israel by their commitment to be with all Israel. The unity of God's people understands that each of us remaining committed to one another is a great encouragement to one another. What a great encouragement it is for us to worship together, to study God's word together, to engage in ministry, ministry and mission together. So in what ways can you be an encouragement to the church in 2019? How can you help your brothers and sisters in our shared battle together? And then finally, listen to the encouragement from these two and a half tribes in verse 17. Just as we fully obey Moses, so we will obey you. Only may the Lord your God be with you as he was with Moses. And not only do they promise to obey, but they go a step further in verse 18. Whoever rebels against your word and does not obey your words, whatever you may command them, will be put to death. Only be strong and courageous. Not only will they obey, but they are ready to put to death those who don't obey. Wow. But notice the caveats to these with the word only. Only may the Lord be with you as he was with Moses. Only be strong and courageous. They're looking to Joshua for his courageous leadership. Joshua, we're ready to obey you as our leader based on the assurance that God is with you like he was with Moses. We're ready to follow you as our leader based on your divinely given courageous leadership. That would be a lot of pressure on me if that was about me. Fortunately, it's not. Moses was a great leader, but far from perfect. Joshua is a great leader, but as we'll see, he's far from perfect. Our assurance is in the leadership of the one to whom Moses and Joshua point, namely Jesus Christ. Jesus is the king and head of the church. He is our leader. We're going to see this again and again as we go through this book of Joshua, but the Hebrew name Joshua finds its equivalent in the Greek name Jesus. 
Joshua equals Jesus. Joshua equals Jesus, and both names mean the Lord saves. And so with that, I say, Happy New Year. Welcome to a new year with new possibilities. Perhaps you come into this new year having suffered a great loss of someone or something in the past year, and you don't approach 2019 with optimism and energy. Perhaps you lost a loved one, a significant relationship, a part of your health, a job, a friend. Perhaps you're physically, emotionally, spiritually spent, and you don't feel the energy to go forward. Moses was dead, and the Lord assured Joshua and all Israel that they would carry on. But this is not a feel-good, power-of-positive-thinking message. You can't pick yourself up by your own bootstraps and march forward. We can keep moving forward for one reason. The Lord is with us. Go into this new year strong and courageous, following Christ. Go into this new year strong and courageous, meditating on God's word. Go into this new year strong and courageous, careful to do what God has commanded. Go into this new year strong and courageous in united worship, discipleship, and mission with Christ Church. Go into this new year strong and courageous because the Lord is with you and will never leave you or forsake you. So may the truth set us free. Amen.